This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, so you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Okay, now that we're back on the ship, Parson Ball is going to open the techno box that we grabbed on the way out. I just need to figure out how to crack this access code. I, didn't Parson do some prep work before he pulled off that heist? Yeah, you did spend some time prepping for this job. So let's do a flashback uh, to your prep and see what you did. Yeah. So before you left for the heist, what sort of prep did you do? Well, as you know, before Crimson Shadow became the leader of a criminal gang, she was my fiance, Darna. And back then, she was a master codebreaker and a security specialist. So I still have all her code-breaking code programs and equipment. Cool, cool. I like where this is going. Uh, but you abandoned your home and base when that portion of the city was destroyed. Uh, that was part of the backstory um, that you kind of set up for your character. So how did you end up with her gear? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm looking at the notes from when we last defeated her. Didn't she mention she was mad because the doomstruck on the city happened during your wedding rehearsal? Uh, I was there because Bob said that Machus was there as his best man. So lots of stuff could be going on before the rehearsal. You know, we've mentioned that a, that failed wedding a few times. We could always play that out, uh, play out the attack on the city and what the two of you did using a flashback. Playing out a past scene during the doom strike on the city during an emotional and dramatic moment to determine the success of a present day situation. Let's do it. And with that... Welcome to the 477th episode of the Mr. Mark Podcast. Tonight we discuss flashbacks and tabletop roleplay games. Along the way, we'll take your comments, examples, and suggestions live from the chat room for life on Twitter before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. And Jerry, you're getting too up close to your microphone, so you're not... Is that like, better? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay. You, just, uh, you were like right on top of it, so you were, you were outside of the... The sweet Got spot. It. Took me forever to learn that when we first started doing this. New mic, you gotta think of it right. like you gotta think of it like a dragon's breath weapon. It's like a cone. Yeah. Well, it's actually more like a stream, less like a cone. Yeah. Like you gotta get yeah, like you gotta right. be right in front of it for this thing to Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's do our temperature checks and see how everybody's feeling. Phil, how you doing today? You know, I'm um doing all right. Um feeling pretty good mentally. Uh, and I, um, and no physical complaints, no ailments, no nothing, little, just a little trouble falling asleep last night. Cause I had slept so much during the weekend, but, um, I napped it out when I got home, like caught up a little, you know, picked up a little extra sleep before the show. So thumbs up doing well. How about, how about you, Bob? Yeah. So I, uh, am tired today. I woke up around five o'clock in the morning and had trouble going back to sleep. So I, I was dragging. And I've been uh, aggravated and frustrated because uh, of <clears throat> there was a uh, uh, a patch to Valheim that broke the brand new server that I set up for us. Mm. And so it's been a struggle trying to deal with that. So uh, I'm probably about a good uh, C plus B minus right now. Um, and, you know, eh. <laughs> but patching, patching is always problems. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, how about you? Uh not that bad, doing better. Um, this week started out kind of oddly, and uh, 
we found out we have a small leak under our kitchen sink when we turn the water on. So that's going to be fixed tomorrow. Mm. But um, other than that, the weather is kind of evened out. So I'm no longer quite as stuffed up and everything. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, we had a good weekend. And uh, so spirits are high. Excellent. That's it. Cool. All right. Moving on to some announcements. Um, so our big announcement uh, for today's show is uh, next week, uh, Chris Nizak will be returning to the co-host chair of the Misdirected Mark. Uh, starting, like I said, next week with next week's recording, that recording for the people who are keeping track of this on calendars uh, is on uh, the 28th of June, but that show does not drop until the 5th of July. So uh, Chris will be on the show that drops on the 5th of July. Um, in accordance with Chris's return, um, this, this show will be moving to a recording-only format for the next few months. So we will not be streaming. Um, so for our handful of streaming friends, um, we'll miss you for a couple months, and um, we will announce when we're ready to start streaming again. So in the meantime, for our streamers, uh, you can pick up the show where you normally pick up all your other podcasts. Um, the show in podcast format will not change uh, any um, any frequency or anything else. Like it'll just drop when it normally drops. Good. All right. Feature segment time. Mm-hmm. Gird yourself, Phil. Go. Here we go. Flashbacks at the workshop. Flashbacks at the workshop. Why didn't he say workshop first? Because we're flashing back. We're going to go back and look at how flashbacks work, how to make your game work with them, and how you can use them to make your game better here, where, you know, it's in the workshop. And don't suck. It suck. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, tonight we're going to take a look at the narrative technique of using flashbacks. Um, if you've been here before, you know the drill. We're talking about what they are, how they work, and what some of the pitfalls are around them. And best of all, how to get the most out of them in your game. All right. And of course, to do that, we got to get started with some definitions. So there we go. Behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda. All right. Definition time is correct. All right. The first one, obviously, is the big one for the show tonight. That is flashback, a narrative technique in which we are shown events that took place before the episode's main action. Said events may have taken place on screen earlier, but may also be new scenes depicting things um, only referred to. Right. So um, we should all be pretty familiar with this, um, this technique in other media. It's pretty common. Um, you see it in TV shows, movies, things like that all the time. In RPGs, um, this means that you're going to set a scene that takes place before the time in which the previous scene took place, right? So if the previous scene is taking place in whatever linear time frame your game is taking, um, you're running in, your flashback goes out of that and goes back to a previous time. Uh, that shouldn't be too much of a... Um, Shouldn't be too much to grasp because that's how flashbacks work, but it is different in role-playing games because we are actually playing a scene from the past. And we'll talk about that in a little bit when we get to challenges. So um, like the definition said, we could be flashing back to a scene um, that we had played out earlier because we actually just want to like, you know, play through it or something. Um, but more often than not flashback in a role-playing game is a new scene. Like we actually play it for the first time. Um, and it just happens earlier. Okay. Let's, I'm not going to like, let's not overdefine mm -hmm. that it's flashback. 
All right, continuity, uh, the unbroken and consistent existence or operation of something over a period of time. In RPGs, this is the concept that if something happened previously in the game or in the history of the setting, it is maintained through the current sessions, right? So if the bartender in a tavern was named Brett in the first session, then their name needs to be Brett several sessions later when the players return to the tavern. That's continuity. If somebody dies, they should still be dead, that kind of thing. Now, again, if you're playing a fantasy game or whatever, maybe not, but like, you know, there needs to then be an explanation of why they're not dead. <laughs> Retcon, a piece of new information that imposes a different interpretation on a previously, de previously described events, typically used to facilitate a dramatic plot shift or account for an inconsistency. We've talked about retcons before in other shows, um, but I bring it up because flashbacks are a good way to do retcons by allowing us to go back to some other moment and then adding extra information to it. We'll get to that again in a little bit. All right. So with the terms defined, Jerry, what's the purpose of a flashback in an RPG? Well, they have a couple of functions. Um, the first is that they allow us to have a scene that takes place outside of the normal linear time lane that most games are going to follow. Um, and this can be important because there are times in the game when we want to know more about something that's happened in the past. And we need a way to frame that scene in a way that's interesting to the players. Also, when we're running games, we don't always know which events, which interactions are important when we're running them. And so sometimes to go back to a past event that at the time we didn't think was important, but as the game progresses, we realize that was much more important. And this way we have a way to return to that scene and explore it further uh, without disrupting the gameplay. Yeah, the other thing that flashbacks do is they can help support genres, right? Certain There are certain genres where flashbacks are standard tropes. Um, mystery and heists are two great examples where flashbacks are uh, pretty common tropes. In heists, um, the flashback is kind of how we show somebody being hyper-prepared, because um, that is a thing about um, heists is, you know, there's a twist and then like the twist is overcome and it's like, well, how did that happen? Flashback, right? Uh, leverage is um, leverage is a great example of using flashbacks to show hyper preparedness. Yep. Um, in mysteries, uh, flashbacks are often used as well to kind of show, like, uh, to reveal clues or to show how clues are connected. Right. Um, so both of those, um, in both of those genres, flashbacks are actually part of the genre. So it helps support the genre. L literally, the movie Clue ends with that sort of thing. So. Mm -hmm. All right. And finally, uh, they're a tool for pausing the forward progression of a story without actually stopping the game. Um, why you'd want to do this, we're going to get into in a bit. But if for some reason the game can't proceed forward, you can jump into a flashback to allow play to continue without pushing the game forward at the same time. And this is good if you're stalling the climax of a game because of a missing player um, or for other reasons. So we're going to get into that a little bit more in a few minutes. But Bob? Yeah, so flashbacks do some interesting things with time and story. But Phil, messing with time and story can also create challenges. You should probably elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. The main challenge to flashbacks is maintaining continuity. When we create a scene in the past, we introduce the possibility of making changes that could alter things in the present uh, time of the game. For example, um, just before the climax with Baron Von Badass, we flash back to the scene where the hero just meets the Baron for the first time. And in that scene... Uh, we play it out. The hero attacks the Baron and then kills the Baron with a super critical success. Oh, no. Yeah. Problem. Yeah, this creates a problem in present time because we're supposed to be having that climactic battle. And that just happened, you know, in our scene. So the GM needs to take some kind of intervention that will likely have to be some sort of railroad or fiat or some sort of 
kind of agreement or framing of the scene in order to preserve continuity. Um, and because of this continuity challenge, uh, the GM has to actually take care in how to set these scenes up. Now, the easiest one is just to set up a flashback in a place where it's not going to affect the current continuity. Um, this can be pretty easy. The flashback is going to be a side story or plot. And what happens in it creates some additional new continuity that you can tie back into for future games. Um, this is going to create a free type of scene or story, and it's going to allow you to play the game uh, in a normal fashion once you resume playing in the normal timeline. Yeah. Now, GMs, GMs can constrain a flashback scene like as they're framing it, right? So the GM can set a scene and place some constraints on it so that the players know the limit of the scene, right? So I could say something like, hey, let's do a flashback when you first meet the Baron, but um, like, don't take it past a few insults or... Um, or the start of, you know, like the start of a conflict, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, you know, people will think that like, oh, well, you can't do anything to, you know, infringe upon, um, you know, player agency. And sure, in linear, like in linear time, sure, that's fine. But in a flashback, like you can take a little action to um, to put some constraints on um, on a scene and then just let the rest of it play out organically. Um, then you can also do a narrative-only scene. With this, you eliminate the randomization, eliminate the rules, and the scene can just be steered and constrained to maintain whatever continuity you need. Yeah, exactly. So knowing which one of these flashback frameworks to use will depend on where in your game you are using them, what your intention is for the scene, and how careful you need to be with continuity. So despite their challenges, flashbacks are still cool, and there are a number of ways you can use them in your games. Jerry, can you start us off talking about the uses? Yep. Flashbacks can be used in a bunch of different ways in your game. And understand that each of them is going to do a different thing. So you've compiled a short list of some different uses for your game. Standard disclaimer applies. These are in no particular order and, is not, and don't uh, cover all of the bases. But just some examples. Phil? Yep. Exposition. Flashbacks can just be used to build story, right? In this case, the flashback brings us back to a time where some important story details will occur. You play out the scene, creating and revealing those details to the players, and then you carry that information forward back to real time. Um, so for an example, a flashback scene to determine how the players found the tavern in the town they're going into so that we can learn why this place is like so important to them. Yeah. The next thing you can do is basically a flashback origin story. This is a flashback that's used to describe the entire party or just part of the, or the entire origin or just part of the origin of a character. Um, in this case, it can be used to play out some part of their backstory or some important point in their history. For example, you can have a flashback about how the character actually got their superpowers. Yeah. Uh, this one's a favorite of Jerry's. Um, you can use flashback as a fill-in game. So um, maybe um, you, you... Sorry, let me back up. This is a case where you want to use a flashback because you don't want the game to progress forward from where it is but you also don't want to not play that night, right? So this is like the, this is perfect for the missing player situation, right? You're all set to play tonight. It's going to be the climactic battle against Baron Von Badass, but Bob's not feeling well, can't make it. And everybody's like, well, we really want to play, but you don't want to play the fight with Baron Von Badass without Bob, one, because right. he doesn't get to enjoy it, and two, because you need Bob's cleric to keep everybody alive. So we're like, yeah, we can't go forward and then you suggest, hey, you know what we should do? Let's do a flashback game and let's talk about, you know, how uh, you, you know, found the sword or how you guys all came together or whatever. And just whoop, 
take the game back. It gives you a place to it gives you a place to play, gives you a chance to game. And then the next session when Bob's back, boom, we go right back to our regular continuity. The next is the retcon. You can use a flashback to revisit a past scene that allows you to retcon some sort of element. Um, this can also be a fun way to reveal uh, the retcon itself. Might be a good candidate for some sort of narrative only retcon. For example, flashback to a crime scene. And in that crime scene, you reveal that the killer is actually one of the onlookers standing and watching it as it's being investigated. Something that you can give the, the player some clues and give some, some tie-ins to what happened without actually changing the, the overall effect of the game. That is 100% borrowed from Criminal Minds. Like more than once, Criminal Minds uses mm-hmm. this trope where like suddenly they learn who the, the, like, the killer is and then they're like, oh my God, he was there the whole time. Um, yeah, totally works. Okay, next one. Uh, we talked about this earlier, preparedness. Um, you can use a flashback. In fact, we did this in the uh, opening of the show. You can use a flashback to display hyper-competency. Uh, and these can be actually a lot of fun, right? So after a twist occurs, um, the players have to come up with how to counter it. So we jump into a flashback to figure out how they did it. Um, some games actually um, straight out support this, right? Um, Blades in the Dark. I think all Forged in the Dark games have this, right? Uh, you guys could tell me because you guys played the other ones. But in Blades, for sure, you can do um, you can you can do the flashback to show how you prepared for something. Yeah. I think all yeah. the ones that we played did it. Yep. So, for example, the bad guy shows up with guards to thwart the heroes. Um, the heroes have a plan, and you jump into a flashback where we see the heroes bribing the guards before the operation to make sure that they're actually on their side. And yep. then we jump back, and we see that the guards now turn on the bad guy. Right? Hilarity yep. ensues. Exactly. <laughs> now, the next one is spotlighting, because flashbacks can be a great tool for spotlighting a single character or situation. You have a flashback to a highlight, some important moment for the character, um, and kind of show what happens instead of just having them answer a question. For example, if the question is, like, why is your relationship with your uncle so bad? You can then jump into the flashback and play out the moment where you found out that your uncle's doing something horrible. Right. Lastly, um, in our list for tonight, uh, drama. You can use a flashback to create some drama and tension for a scene. So using the flashback allows us to have a scene out of main linear time, and we can use that scene to raise stakes, create tension, create drama, those kinds of things. Then once we've done that, we can jump back into regular time with that knowledge and continue the scene. So from our example from earlier, right before the confrontation with Baron Von Badass, you might flash back to your first meeting and play out how that went in order to make the scene uh, more intense. Now, there's going to be a lot of overlap on some of these examples. And honestly, a good flashback can do one or more of these. So you can always look at ways to combine them. Maybe you want to take a preparedness and drama flashback and combine them together, or maybe an origin flashback and a spotlight flashback and put them together to show something. However you want to do it, it's easy to put these together and use them. The important thing is to show something that's out of the regular timeline and make it part of the game. All right. So before we reach a break, are there any other tips that we have on running good flashbacks, Phil? Yeah, you know, we can, we're we're always stocked up on uh, tips. Um, and as always, our standard disclaimer, in no particular order and by no means as a complete list, but here are some general good rules for flashbacks. The first is don't overuse them. Um, they're good tools, but like any other tool, you don't want to overuse it or it doesn't have the same effect as this. Use a scene here, a scene there, or maybe just a scene per player as a starting guideline um, and just do it until you find the nice happy medium. 
Uh, now, the caveat to this is you can do a whole story in a flashback, but if you're going to do that, then just ignore the guideline or have a whole adventure or a whole mission that the entire thing takes place in a flashback and it might take several weeks. But if that's what everybody's having fun with, ignore the guideline. But in general, we don't want to overuse it or else it replaces what's going on in the game. You know, just speculating here, especially because I, I can see we're running a little early, so I'm fine to stretch this out a little. I don't know if I could pull it off, but I think you could have a really interesting game where you literally start with the confrontation. Like you are, you, you, you run the first couple rounds of combat with Baron Von Badass and the rest of the campaign is nothing but flashbacks. I played a um, uh, Deadlands Demar game at uh, Origins a few years ago, and the game started out with the final confrontation where we were given our characters and then we start the game and we're all like running through a graveyard, being chased by undead, listening to an otherworldly music being played as a source of all this stuff is going on. And just as we get surrounded, we then flash back to four days prior. And we knew that at some point we had to get to that graveyard in the story and we all had to get together, but it was an interesting way of, the characters all knew each other, but it, it, it did two things. Number one is, of course, it set the tension and the expectations and all that. Like, this is going to go badly and we're going to have zombies. But it also gave, especially for a one shot, gave everybody an idea of kind of where the story was going to go. Um, so, for example, we knew we were in New, uh, New Orleans. So any clues that we found that took us out of New Orleans, we could just ignore because we knew that we were going to end up here in four days. And it was a really nice narrative tool. Um to create the adventure and, and make the whole thing was a flashback until the last like five minutes of the game. And um, but I, the, the idea that knowing what the flashback was helped to focus the players on where to go for that made a big difference. It made the game that much more enjoyable. Yeah. I did a, I'm, I think Bob will remember this. I did a witchcraft game where um, the probably like, three quarters of the game was played in past live flashbacks as the players had all discovered um, the players had all discovered that throughout um, I don't know, it was like a few hundred years of history. They had been trying to stop this monster from um, sacrificing a bunch of children and casting this ritual. And every time they failed, they died. But then in their next life, they would find each other again, try and fail try and fail and like each player had a different uh recollection of a different past life and its failure and then after having done all of those they realize that the ritual is going to happen again and that they you know this is their next shot of trying to uh stop it from happening do you remember that one bob yep i remember that the cycle cycles again the cycle cycles again yes <laughs> yeah yeah, it was a it was a cool. I, I thought it was a cool story. I I, I GM'd it, so I can't say whether it was a cool story or not. But, um, yeah. but it was. I thought it was fun. The flashbacks were mostly narrative, like they were a little more heavy handed because they kind of had to. They had to end in failure. Um, but mm -hmm. then that was like the that was like all the exposition. In fact, that's actually what it was. It was all the exposition to actually then go and confront this creature. I, mm -hmm. I thought it. I thought it actually played out pretty well. I enjoyed it. Cool. Okay, um, next tip on flashbacks. I'm going to just be very clear about this. It is perfectly fine to protect continuity when you do a flashback. 
Uh, if a flashback scene starts to threaten continuity, pause, rewind, resume. Don't go with it um, if that's going to cause you larger problems down the road. Right. Again, you know, there's this, you know, some people think there's this absolute um, autonomy that players should have in any scene whatsoever. And while I am very much for player autonomy, when you head into flashbacks, that player autonomy comes with an asterisk. Um, And that asterisk is, you know, don't let it fuck up your continuity if you don't want it to. Um, If you want it to mess with continuity for whatever reason, if you're playing something kind of really trippy like that, like, fine, do your thing. But don't feel bad if you have to um, rewind or cut something or have somebody take a different action or something like that. Like, it is it is not um, it is not worth it's not worth damaging your campaign just to give somebody autonomy in their flashback. And um, Jim likes games is, um, is Jim's like Jim likes RPGs is saying in the in the chat room, right? Autonomy does not equal premise rejection. Yes. yes. Like yep. the goal of a player in. And, and in fact, we didn't even talk about this, but I'll mention it right now because I'm on the protect continuity. Protecting continuity is not just a GM's job. Correct. Player's job as well. Like, yep. you know, like if you, like, you know what the continuity of the game is, like you do your part mm-hmm. to maintain it as well. Mm-hmm. It's even better if you do like little um, besides helping to maintain the continuity. If you do little things that like then explain other elements of the game. Yep. Sure. You know, just, you know, like if the barkeep never liked you at the tavern and you do this flashback and you explain how like you knocked over his precious bottle of whiskey. Right. Not, just like, not mm-hmm. that that was part of the flashback scene, but you just threw it in there because, you know, it makes like a fun connection. Like that's fun too. So or even, protect or even better. If, or even better. If you have something where the GM describes something like the bartender has a scar over, you know, has a vicious scar across one eye. If you could in, in your flashback, give the bartender that scar, either through your character's actions or through something else. Absolutely. Go for it. Yep. Just raise your hand and be like, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah, I'm really sorry about that scar. And then, you know, it leads to the why and mm-hmm. then you hit the flashback music. Yep. So yeah, protect continuity. It's good. Don't mm-hmm. like, don't screw up. Don't screw it up. Okay. What do you got, Jer? NPCs can have flashbacks. We're going to talk about this in the second half of the show. Uh, <laughs> but if you need to give some exposition for an NPC, you can do it through their own flashback. It's done for the better for the players and not necessarily for their characters or let them play their characters if they're there. Um, I love this. I love giving NPCs flashbacks and um, letting the players play through the NPCs, especially if they have a firm grasp or at least a decent grasp on what the NPC is like, whether it's a villain or a hero. Um, you know, you can do a whole flashback with the villain putting their base, putting the band together in the first place. You know, um, you know what happened when Cobra Commander met Destro and so on. Um, and uh, a lot of players will love doing this, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, coming up with motivations for what's going on um this could also be especially fun if your players have a favorite npc that you never planned on having any backstory at all you know they've decided that um you mentioned briefly you know the stable girl and and what she's doing and now you can do a whole flashback to why she's there and what's going on and who she met and you know her own dreams of being an adventurer and whatever Go with it. Especially or she's a retired adventurer, right? Like yep. something goes yeah. wrong in the town. She winds up saving one of the characters and you're like, yep. well, how did she save us? And it'd be like, well, let's have a flashback, yeah. right? Like <laughs> there's yeah. a, um, there's a great scene in the TV show ER 
where um, there's this um, person, I, I don't even think they were a nurse. They like helped out around the hospital. Um, and she's clearly from like Eastern Europe. And she like, you know, just helps out with patients and things like that. And one day this patient like goes into anaphylactic shock and is starting to code and there's no doctors around. And the um, med students like, what do we do? What do we do? And the um, uh, the person like runs over and does like some, I, I think it was either a chest, chest tube or a trach or something like that. And it turns out she was a doctor in Eastern Europe, but couldn't get her med- medical license in the States. So she was just still working at the hospital, but she was like fully trained. Yeah. Completely you know? capable. Just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are great reveals, right? Those are reveals like where you get to do something cool. Like it turns out an NPC is far cooler than they seem. Right. Like by, and then you can have the flashback to kind of explain like how they got to, you know, their humble existence now, but they were like, you know, once whatever they were once a rock God, you know, like teaching you like some, you know, forbidden <laughs> riff and chord or whatever. Cool. All right. Last, last bit of advice. Um, know the purpose of your flashback, right? We talked about some of the purposes of a flashback. If you're going to do one, um, think about why you're doing it. And the reason for that is uh, then you'll know which one of the kind of flashback frameworks uh, you want to use. Like, do you want to do the free form one where you kind of place this thing outside of continuity, like out of danger of continuity and let it run? Do you want to put some constraints on it when you set it up? Or do you want to kind of switch to a narrative thing, take mechanics out of it and just kind of talk and play through what happens? Okay. So that was our initial look at flashbacks. We're going to check with the chat room. But first, Bob, tell us more about another show on the Mr. Mark Network. Yeah. So bonus experience. This is a show where uh, Ray and Monica, who are two old friends, explore gameplay and design through the lens of diversity, while also sharing some of the dumbest humor gaming has to offer. It's one of my favorite ones. That that description, just dumb humor. Yeah, awesome. I like it. Give me some dad jokes. You know, give me some, give me some groaners. <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, your love of dad jokes is well known. Oh, of course. We're now quoting John Wick in the uh, in the <laughs> chat room. I'm 100 percent for this. Yeah, Jim was like, "That's not just any old man. That's John Wick." Yeah, that line, and, and I usually don't get dog. lines correct, but that line is um, that nobody. That nobody's name is John Wick. Yep. Oh, I love that scene. That scene. That scene in um, that scene in the movie where he's explaining who John Wick is as John is breaking the cement on yep. the floor of his basement to get his guns out. <clears throat> oh, his guns, his coins, his markers. <laughs> so good. There isn't anything. I, I look the the the. Um, Animal cruelty part makes me a little squicky about like about that movie, but man, that movie is just like mm, so good. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. All right, I could I could watch those anyway. We got yeah. anything else going on in the chat room? Chat rooms. Uh, I know Senda said that um, her group does a lot of the uh, flashbacks on yeah. off game nights. They do a lot mm-hmm. of like they do a lot of origin flashbacks where they'll um, yeah, they'll go back stories. and look at a character. They also do a thing where they have used a different system, uh, which, um, uh, yes, they've used a different system to actually play out backgrounds in the middle of their other game on off nights. So, like, they might be playing masks and then they hit an off night and they're like, cool, break out. Yes, we're going to tell a story about why this character, like, what, you know, like this character's yeah. origin. Yeah. And uh, Evil John said it never occurred to him that uh, you could use a flashback to raise the stakes. 
Yeah, like that works out if you have like a that works out if you have an NPC that was kind of like by default was always the quote bad guy, but not one that necessarily like you um like you brought the players up in, but more like more like, you know, oh, this guy, like he's the, you know, evil baron of this, you know, of of the neighboring, you know, lands that always harasses you guys. And the player's like, cool, we'll take that by default, right? Baron, bad guy, check, check, right? And then having that flashback you know, like add something to it because it's one thing to just kind of by, um, by design to say like, Oh, this is the bad guy. I need you guys to all treat him as the bad guy, Mm -hmm. but it's actually more fun if you have a chance to, um, Mm -hmm. to really like have a moment, you know, with them. Yeah. It turns out that that Baron, um, that the multiple, multiple sessions ago when you guys took down that evil cleric that was raising hell throughout the land, um, turns out when you killed him, that guy mm-hmm. was actually the illegitimate son of the Baron. And sure. now the Baron's like, they killed my boy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now all of a sudden he's well. got a whole nother level of hate for you guys. The yeah. other one you could do is like, you find out that the stable hand was actually Baron Von Badass the whole time. Right. He's just been masquerading as, you <laughs> yeah, know. that's, um, there you go. that'll be, that's fun. referred to as the Kaiser Soze. Yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That dead body that's been laying in the middle of the room, that's the guy who planned the whole thing. It's not really a dead body. That's Spoilers right. for some. By the way, if you want a master class in the use of flashbacks and retcons, yes. uh, the usual suspects is yes. um, that story. That, that story hits a twist and then it jumps back and recontextualizes everything you've seen. And you're like, damn, <laughs> like, yep, it's great. Yes. I should watch that. Maybe just the first Bob knows hour. that joke. Just the first 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> there was a time in the 90s where Bob and I um and uh, brother Jim and a few others like we watched that movie constantly. Oh, yes, Jim brings up Memento. Memento's yeah. a, oh, Memento's a trip, man. Like yes. Memento was not a movie the first time I was like, "Oh, I got what's going on here." Like I kind of got it, and then I watched it a second time and I was like, "Okay, I'm on board." Like but the opening of Memento is great. Yeah. Oh, oh that's a bad guy. <laughs> Just, yeah. Nope, he's not friendly. The, yeah. uh, the the fact that they put a special cut on the DVD and Blu-ray where they cut the movie in chronological order, like, it just feels so wrong to me because you lose that whole element. Like, yes, now it's easier to follow what's going on linearly, but, like, the, the whole point is, like, this guy doesn't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Like, yeah you wind up as confused as the narrator through yeah through it um senda just mentioned first kill which is i'll talk about a little bit um in the community quarter first kill is a show on netflix uh that the series on netflix has just dropped uh, they actually did a really cool thing that was i guess it was kind of a it, it was definitely a um a flashback of sorts they have they tell the um the opening episode, they lead up to the end of the opening episode by telling both characters stories um, separately. And they like converge like at this moment um, and then goes forward. And it's, 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 it was a cool narrative. It was a cool narrative move so that you actually got both, you got both perspectives of both characters before um, really the inciting incident of the, of the show. Cool. Yeah. It's neat. All right. Let's jump back into the topic of flashbacks with our roundtable discussion. What's the first question, Phil? 
Yeah, in a game you have jammed or played, name a flashback that you have enjoyed. Well, for me, it's going to be in my VNV campaign in college. Um, there was an NPC team that we used in a one-shot where one player played and we just had a bunch of NPCs show up called the Sentries. And instead of rolling them, we've actually built them so that they were all complementary and were overpowered and so on. And the players enjoyed playing them um, and enjoyed uh, playing with them, playing as them. We had them show up again to help the, the party later on, and they played them again. So after that, we had this thing where the players wanted to know more about them. And instead of just sitting down and telling them this is what happened, we sat down and we played several adventures where we flashed back to how this neophyte team met as uh, high school graduates and how they dealt with discovering their powers and how they all got assembled by the same um, like mastermind coordinator, patron, whatever you want to call them, uh, who of course turned out to be a villain later on. It's a different story entirely. Uh, but they enjoyed playing them. And in doing so, we not only established more about their personalities and their characters, but also um, some of the other storylines going on in the campaign got revealed or um, got put together. And this is a superhero campaign. I was also able to take some villains that they'd met as just like, here's a villain and flesh out more about that villain's backstory by having them appear either pre pre villain powers or like in their first appearance kind of thing. So the players got a chance to interact with them. So it's a lot of fun to do, to do these flashbacks and take things that were, fun or important to the actual ongoing campaign and let the players play with them. And because we were using the NPCs, the sentries, we didn't have to worry as much about continuity problems because if they changed something, it was about this other team. Um, I mean, that's, course, I mean, that's always nice. I mean, it's fun when you can just, um, when you can create those spaces where continuity, you're not threading continuity. Mm -hmm. uh, it was even more fun because one of the players playing as one of the sentries uh, had one of the characters have a crush on one of the other um, Party, party members that wasn't being played by a player by a player um, unbeknownst to them they picked the one who was actually a villain mole in, in disguise so that led to a whole separate set of drama that got revealed again later on so that when that uh when snowstorm turned up to actually be a villain um the reveal was that much more important to the storyline because they'd adventured with snowstorm back when they thought he was a hero and one of the characters had a crush on them and it was just it was it it added so much more drama and 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 uh emotional context to the game as it went on it just worked really well we had a good time that's cool that was mine bob yeah so i racked my brain and couldn't come up with anything until we sat down and we started doing the show and then phil reminded me of that witchcraft game and so i'm gonna go with that because um that's the only one i can remember <laughs> but it was also really fun and and really well done phil did a nice job with it um every every character had their their nugget of this is what happened to me in a past life where we tried to do this thing, big stakes, children getting killed and, and this perpetual ritual. And we keep losing, we keep failing to, to take the bad guy down. And by the time we got to the, to the live event, like this is happening again, we have to like the stakes were huge. It had built up for each of us so well that we were we were not going to lose. We were going to do whatever we had to do to to make sure that this guy went down. So it was really well done. Thanks. Like it was it was it was totally fun to do, and it was and I wouldn't have thought to do it except that um, witchcraft had a background trait called past lives, where mm -hmm. you could have past lives, and it had a mechanical thing in the game as well, where 
you could tap into some information from a past life, which I think was also a form of flashback um, mm-hmm. that I think you kind of did. Like you had to kind of explain where in your past life you kind of un- like learned, like learned this thing from. But then I just extended it and was like, yeah, I'm just going to give everybody a past life and then tie this thing together. And I like those. So I really like those kind of um, you are all fated for this, like for this mm-hmm. kind of thing story. Mm-hmm. You know, like you are all yeah. drawn together, like, you know, it's tied in fate to. Yeah, I, I like I love those things. So it was um, it was fun. Like it was fun to write, but it was also pretty heavy handed. Right. Like. This was definitely in my um, 90s, like far more hands on the wheel, um, less less chaos manager version of a, of a GM where I've like very specifically crafted each one of the scenes. I plugged you all into them with a with some amount of latitude, but like no, we were doing narrative, right? It was just yep. steering you through the narrative just like to do the exposition. Like it was it was it was a bit heavy handed. But thank you. Like it, it, in the end, when we got to present time, I was able to like take my hands off and just be like, cool. Now you know what the stakes are. Now you know who the bad guy is. And by the way, a busload of kids just went missing. Oh. Like, yeah. Now what? Um, Go. And yeah, you guys dove into it. So um, for mine, flashback, I really enjoyed um, it. We, we had a slight taste of it um, two sessions ago in Ox. Um, and I'm actually looking forward, like I've, it's been kind of fun um, that we skipped it and I'm looking forward to uh, to doing it is how you guys all met and how you met the the ship Ox. Mm-hmm. Um, we started our campaign with the the conceit that like you were all chosen by Ox to be part of the ship and to go around and help people and do this stuff. And we didn't do any of the scenes that involved any of that. We were just like, you're on, like the first episode started in media res. And it was like, there's a disaster looming. The solar array is about to, you know, burn this, you know, area to the ground. You have to save the day kind of thing. And then we just kept going. And two sessions ago, when Chris was trying to solve uh, how to fix Ox's memory, we did a little bit of a flashback where uh, Bob's character, Alpharam and Chris's character, Tam, first meet on Ox. Like they meet while Ox is still like crashed on the ground kind of thing. And Bob's there to repair the engines and Tam's there to fix up the um, to fix up the uh, computer core. We haven't even gotten to Gree yet, who's Jerry's character. Like we haven't even brought them in. Um, So I'm actually looking forward to I like before, you know, I think before, you know, before act two of this campaign is done, I think we will have a um, we will have an origin story that like ties into what it was like when Ox was like first found. What was it like restoring her? And what was it like when she like offered you to leave your life to go and like help other people? Like we just there's there's as you know, as I'm fond of saying, there's meat on the bone, right? Like there's a lot of story in there, but I'm actually happier. We didn't do it first because your characters are now so much better developed that to do that now as a flashback will be so much cooler because we know so much more stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. So that's what I'm excited for because we built so much of the setting and we built so much of the relationship between the characters. Like there has to be, you know, there has to be in that flashback when Tam and Gree meet where, you know, uh, Gree accidentally shocks or poisons yeah. or I don't know. something. <laughs> like, 
accidentally injures Tam somehow because that's, <laughs> that's kind a of a running theme in the game. The best part is it's never intentional. It nope. just kind of occurs. He's well, just always not. in the scene when like when ones get rolled or something. It's it's quite amusing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, that's that, that's my uh, answer to question one. All right. Question number two. For the different types of flashbacks above, what are some of your favorites? Yeah, so my favorites are preparedness and the origin story. Those are the two that I like the most. The obviously we've we've discussed you know the 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 details of them, but the preparedness thing, you know, I planned ahead for this, and this is how I you know this is how I I made this this awesome moment by thinking ahead and being like, <laughs> all right, the, the, if this happens, we've got it covered. Um, those are the the, the hyper competency is is always a lot of fun, and then of course the origin story, like like well, how did this all start? Where did this come from? Why is this like it is? Um, that kind of backstory is is fun to flesh out, um, whether it be you know for your own character, somebody else's character, or an NPC or whatever a situation doesn't matter. I like going back and being like, yeah, where did all of this come from? What's the what's the birth of this thing? Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I'm gonna just tack onto what you're saying. I'm just having this evolving thought because of Ox about the origin thing. I'm almost, I'm, I'm starting to become an idea. Uh, like I'm starting to really like the idea of not doing origins in the first session and coming back and doing them when characters are more developed. Mm-hmm. Like if I do mm-hmm. the origin in the beginning, like if I had done the origin with you guys in the beginning, I think they would have been pretty flat, right? Like Ox would, Ox would have been like, yeah, I, you know, like I, you know, I don't even know what I would have thought frocks because I had so very so little of it prepared. Like it would have just been um, it would have just been like, oh, I want you to come with me and help people or whatever. And you would have been like, yes, sure. Let's do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. None but of instead, the additional like, flesh that we've put on the bone is there. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, you know, there's there's way more resonance with that kind of stuff now yeah. with, with all the development that we've got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I. I may just in the future, like ignore, I, I may just ignore origin um, stories and, and strictly relegate them to flashback um, material. So anyway, I just wanted to tack onto that because I was just thinking yeah. about that um, from before. Um, my answer for this, I, I will match Bob's. I love preparedness and it is because I love heist genre so much, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love that genre. Uh, again, I said uh, during the, um, during the previous segment, leverage is just fantastic for um, showing the flashback as uh, preparedness. It's so much fun. I love it in leverage so much when, you know, the bad guys think they've gotten the drop on, you know, on the, on the heroes and then only to discover that no, they didn't because, you know, Nate outthought them or Harris, you know, like hacked something, whatever. So good. Like just love it. Um, Even um, what's the other one? Uh, Ocean's 11. Yep. Right, the flashback in Ocean's Eleven to show like what really happened, you know, in the vault. Like, mm, chef's kiss. It's so good. Um, the other one I like is Retcon. Um, I like, I like the kind of reveals, like especially in mysteries. I like the reveals where uh, the thing was always there, right? And you just later discover, like, mm-hmm. oh no, like, you know, he was in the crowd the whole time, kind of thing, or he was always watching, whatever. Um, so I love like doing the flashback and then being like, yeah, like, you know, now that you know who it is, like suddenly you remember like standing on the line in the rain as they were rolling the first body out. And there was that guy with the gold lighter lighting his cigarette. And then, you know, 
like two nights later, you know, at the club, you know, where the body was as the, you know, as the paramedics, you know, as the CSIs were taking pictures, you know, there was a guy that you passed on the way to the bathroom who was putting the gold lighter in his pocket, like doing that kind of retcon thing to fill in, you know, like what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super genre specific, but I love it. Like, I just, I, I love it when it happens in TV shows and for the times that I've been able to pull it off um, in games, I love it. Just love it. How about you, Jer? For me, I like Spotlight and Origin. Um, no surprise there. I love the focus on interesting part of a backstory, show the characters met, um, pick something out that's important to the character and show that particular instant. It doesn't even have to be something too long ago. It can be something as simple as, you know, we talked last time that you met with, um, you know, the, the local food merchant and the two of you got some really interesting things together. Let's go back and play that out and show what happened there. You know, what kind of things did you talk about, especially if the players um, get into that? Uh, we do a lot of in-character table talk in a lot of the games that we play. Um, and a lot of times I've had t- things where the players like to jump in when they meet an NPC and sometimes just pick up playing that NPC for a second. So going back to more of that story can be a lot of fun. Um, anytime that we get a chance to flesh out uh, the the personalities of either the players or the NPCs can be a lot of fun. So I like both Spotlight and Origin. Actually, I like all of them, but yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, then. Question three. What is a challenge that you have in running or playing flashbacks? Yeah, you know, I mean, despite the fact that we, you know, talked about ones that I've done before, uh, I actually don't do them as much as I um, as much as I should. Like, I never think like I never think to throw a flashback in or like as I'm working on a session, I don't think like, oh, you know, what would be good here is a flashback sometimes I'll just pull them out at the table when I think it's amusing. Like if something comes up and I'm like, well, I actually want to see that instead of just saying it like, Oh, cool. Do a flashback kind of thing. But um, I need to just like lighten up a little and mess with the flow of time a little more. Like I just need to throw some flashbacks in as prep, like just be like this scene is a flashback scene. And we're just doing this out of sequence kind of thing. Cause it's going to be fun. Or leave yourself a note. Like this would be a good spot for a flashback. If it feels, yeah. you know, if it feels right in moment absolutely for me i gotta kind of go with phil i don't use them anywhere near often enough um either as a gm or recommending them as a player you know sometimes just ask your gm hey can we flash back to a b or c and go from there um i think that's also important for the players to help drive the story forward is don't be afraid to uh, ask your gm for the scenes that you want to play um most gms are going to love to get a chance to tell more of the story of their world and the players get involved with it it's even that much better so pretty much it. Bob? Cool. Yeah, um, I'm going to say um, probably it would be um, controlling how uh, how long they are. Um, I see Jim Jim mentioned something like that, too, keeping them short. Um, making sure that um, if it's not intended to be a full session flashback, like don't eat too much of your, of your playtime with it. If it's just intended to show you know, how you were prepared for a thing, like do the thing, show the thing, and then get back to the session at hand. Um, Cause you don't like, if you're having a great time with the flashback and like, it's all like, this is really cool and you're enjoying it. Like, that's great, but you don't really want to, you don't want to overpower the rest of the game with, with your flashback, you know? Right. So I would say, you know, 
mind the mind the uh, the purpose and the length to to keep it uh, appropriate for what. Yeah, you're unless to do. of course your whole episode is that. Time, yeah, right. If like, it's a whole episode yeah. flashback, rock and roll. Flash. I like Jim's like in capitals. Flash back. There yes. you go. <laughs> flash being the the <laughs> operative uh, uh, part of that word. Yes. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, that's our look at flashbacks. Yeah, we hope the next time you want to include one in your game, we hope this advice will be of some help. We hope yeah, you'll flash and, uh, back to this. We hope you'll flash back to this episode <laughs> and get some advice. Nailed there you it. Go. Nailed it took it. you a second sorry. to get there, but I just you got did. it. I did. You I just it. step on your line. I'm sorry, but nailed it. That's oh, all right. It. All right, let's hit the chat room one more time before we go convo on us uh, on this thing here. Um, yeah, so... Uh, the Queen said sometimes they play for one session, but sometimes they play basically more flashback than actual game. And yeah, like it, it's it's going to be a feel thing, you know. If your table's cool with the whole thing, you know, have fun. That's but the important. I think thing. if you're having, if fun, I remember, if I remember correctly, they had a um, oh, what is it? Um, what's the what's the what's the Forge in the Dark space game? Uh, scum and villainy. Yes, yeah. they had a scum and villainy game. Where they actually played, I think, more sessions of flashbacks of the origins of their characters than they did of the actual um, Scum and Villainy game, which was pretty much a sign that they weren't enjoying the actual game mechanics <laughs> of Scum and Villainy. Yeah, that could be a thing. I mean, it, I mean, it's fine, right? It's, I mean, it's a thing. And, you know, Scum and Villainy, like Forge in the Dark games have a very specific feel. Like, yes, they do. While it tells you like, oh, hey, it's like Firefly or whatever, like Cowboy Bebop or whatever. And it is, but it is also a Forge in the Dark game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That game is now forever known as the flashback game. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It makes sense, right? Yep. Uh... Sure does. All right. All well, right. let's uh, let's roll on into the conversation plot. Director Mark Word Scramble. Yeah. And just for games, right. we're going to do this one again. All right. So for my one thing this week, uh, I will briefly talk about the Patio Door Saga because it finally freaking rained early this morning, about five o'clock. Remember I said in the opening, I woke up about five o'clock in the morning and I had trouble getting back to sleep. I woke up because I, I heard the rain. Can I pause you for a second? Can we flash back in case like people who have been yes. in our um, people who are in our Slack and people who've been on the Friday calls, I think, are fully aware of this saga. But in case people who are just listening to the podcast aren't quite um, up to speed with the Patio Door yep. Saga, before you talk about the rain, can you flash back to why the rain was so important? <laughs> so when I bought my condo, it was known going in that the patio door needed to be replaced. The seal had broken on the main on the main glass. And, you know, you get all that crap in between and fogs up and all that crap like that so i had a plan to get it replaced put a deposit on it and it took them nine months to get me the door because of pandemic problems and then a production issue and a bunch of other stuff they finally come they tear the old one out they put the new one in everything looks great it works great happy as a clam and then like two hours after they leave it pours like a torrential downpour for like four hours. And I don't even remember what made me realize that the, that the rug was getting wet, but I'm like, Holy crap, it's leaking. So I, I had to, for like multiple days, cause it kept raining 
off and on for like three days after that. And long story short now, the important part is the company was very much like, oh, we'll, we'll definitely get over there. In fact, the, the president of the company came over to look at it and eyeball it and see what was going on. And what we ultimately decided was is one of two things has to happen. <clears throat> We're either going to seal up the outside of the door again with fresh caulk and, and make sure that everything's sealed up nice. Or we got to tear the door out and basically like recheck the base plate and see, you know, what's going on because it's all seeping underneath. And they said, let's do the caulking first. We'll reseal it and see what happens. They resealed it. And then every time the forecast said we're going to have storms, I was like, yes, give me a hard rain. And then it would be like, hey, it's coming up at noon today. No, the rain's coming at two. No, the rain's coming tomorrow. And it kept pushing back and pushing back. One day it sprinkled for like five minutes. I'm like, that's not enough. And it kept getting pushed back. It's been like a week and a half since they fixed it. And finally this morning it rained for, I don't know, at least a half an hour. I have no idea how much exactly because I woke up partway into it. And then I, I was, you know, half asleep, half awake, whatever. But I went out and I checked it in the morning and the the towels I had laying in front of it in prep just in case dry, like no water. So I'm like, okay, that's a good sign. Tomorrow it's supposed to storm again. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll get a good, you know, like a couple hours of, of solid, solid rain on that door just to make sure that everything's kosher. But it looks like, cross my fingers, knock on wood, it looks like it's it's fixed now, but. It's been a thing. <laughs> a saga. The saga of the patio door. I'm glad you said the patio door. I was about to say the saga of the back door, but I think I was thinking of something else. That's a completely different saga. And, um, you know, YouTube just, doesn't like that kind of Probably on the hub. On just, yeah. They probably saw, probably saw that on the there hub. Never mind. Uh, outside you- of that, we had our Ox game, which, as usual, amazing, having a ball with that. Um, set up a Valheim server. Um, to start a fresh quote unquote season of Valheim, um, mm-hmm. which uh, Jerry's going to talk a little bit more about. Um, and there's some drama with that because of the stupid server problem. Um, keeping up with uh, with Obi Wan Kenobi and Ms. Marvel and Strange New Worlds, all excellent shows, enjoying the hell out of them, especially Strange New Worlds. It's some of the best Trek that they've done in a long time. So, um, really looking forward to tomorrow watching a couple episodes of some of those. So, all right, um, that'll do it for me, Jerry. All right, my one thing is going to be Valheim. Um, game that Bob and I play uh, a couple times a week just as part of our thing, sometimes every night. Um, but with the new server coming up, Bob took the time to put together a whole package of fun little mods that let us try new things. And a friend of the show, Glenn Seiler, finally got the computer that he wanted that has the video card, so he joined us. Um, and it was fun to get on and play Valheim a couple different ways. Um, we still use the old server, and Glenn got on, and um, he and I, even though we had, like, Bob's Uber base set up that was endgame level of equipment and stuff, um, Glenn and I just got on, and I created a new character, and we just kind of ran, ran around in the existing world that we had so that Glenn could get a chance to try some new things. Uh, like, le- using your bow is a learning curve in the game. So because Bob and I in the game that we were playing had pretty much cleared out everything for like a half mile radius around our base, um, it was a safe zone. And so we just made like 200 arrows and I walked around with weapons out to watch his back and Glenn was able to just kind of get really good at, at, at shooting. And it turns out Glenn 
is a sneaky little bastard. <laughs> um, uh, Bob is our Legolas. Um, I'm kind of our exploratory tank. Uh, Glenn is our sneaky bugger. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch how quickly Glenn, who plays a lot of video games, tech, caught up to us. Then we started the new server, and that's just been a ball because um, between the three of us plus Chris, we had a, uh, we, we've been building things. We moved pretty quickly. We are presently, after playing for, not counting today, after playing for three and a half days, we are now in that server uh, where we were after like three or four months worth of play oh, on server one. Acceler- that's fast acceleration. Yeah. Man. But we're trying new things. Um, we tried some new tactics. Uh, one of the things in the game are crypts that are full of skeletons. Basically, think of dungeons filled with Ray Harry and monsters. And um, the problem is you're basically forced to fight one abreast. And sometimes you go to a room that's got multiple uh, monsters. And the way Valheim works, every additional player in the game um, adds like 80% to the monster's toughness and increases their damage by 50% up to, I think, triple damage. And so not only are there more monsters, but they're tougher. So if it's just, even if you've got people backing you up, if you're going one-to-one against them, it's a problem. Well, Bob and Glenn figured out the simplest thing to do was put Jerry in front with a shield and an axe, and they just sat back with bows and... There were fights that we were in that I was just hold my shield up, hold my shield up. And these skeletons are being blown apart by arrows. And um, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's fun because it's an, every time we do something with this game, we learn something about building. We learn something about uh, the fun of creation stuff. We learn different tactics. Um, we learn how to confront things a different way. And the world is always randomly generated. So this is iteration three, I think. And mm-hmm. so, the islands are different. And sometimes it's just cool things like we got to the far side of the island during sunset and about a mile out at sea is an island with a giant mountain on it. And there's steam. I'm just like sitting down on the shore for like two minutes, just watching this beautiful vista. So it's a lot of fun. Um, we're just having a good time and one more player always makes it better. Um, other than that, um, Obi-Wan, Miss Marvel and Strange New Worlds have just been amazing. Um we're in a golden age of geek television right now. Yeah. And all three of them have some superior writing and excellent characters. Um, Ox, we tried some, I'll let Phil go into it, but just to say we tried some new things with Ox and all of them were great. That game was one of our best Ox games and they've all been a lot of fun. Um, and just being in discussions about what's coming up for MMP has been kind of neat to talk about. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. You'll, you'll get new stuff every week. Phil? Uh Yeah. Jumping in. So Ox is my, my one thing for the week. Um, so we played our second half of this adventure that we had started. And um, I, th- this, this session was, um, this session was like story-wise, it was just the continuation of everything we had done before. Like we just continued playing on through the story that we kind of set down. So story-wise, like I thought it was pretty solid, but I think we hit like a new plateau um in our comfort of using cortex prime, mm-hmm. like we really like are getting like a lot better at um, hitches, like incorporating hitches into the game, uh, putting more, like putting more distinctions out on the table and using them more often, like, like really worked up. Um, we had some really good things. Like we had this. So in the previous session, uh, Jerry had um, uh, total failure, right? So he rolled all hitches and I, for the life of me, can't remember what that's called, but it's bad. a botch. You rolled a botch, yeah. right? Where where all your dice come up once, bad. 
So I banked it. I was like, yep, thank you. I'll take that. This will come back to bite you in the ass later. Um, and what it was, was Jerry had made this, um, Jerry had made this cure for this um, super pollen allergy that everybody had gotten when they walked, when they landed on the planet. And so I was like, oh yeah, this thing's now like a runaway plant, like plant sentient, like monster thing that like has formed because you, you know, your um, whatever your cure was hyper evolved it. Right. Cause this is ox, right? And when science goes, when science goes sideways, it goes sideways. So um, you guys, like we get back to the city that you guys are helping these um, holograms, these photonic people that in their city and slowly discover that the, these vines are creeping in and they're kind of drawing photonic energy as they get closer. Uh, And, you know, Jerry figures out like, oh shit, (laughs) that might've been me. Uh, But Chris is in the ship. And um, Chris is like, yeah, I better get the ship off the ground because I bought, oh, I bought an, I bought a distinction. I was like, oh, I tangled the ship for D6 tangle, like ships getting vines are starting to creep up the ship. And Chris is like, I better get the ship out of here. And then like fails, like a couple rolls trying to get it out. And I just buy the ones and it gets more tangled and more tangled until um, finally, I think you all pitch in to help them um, rotate the shields to, to get all the vines off. And then you guys go to destroy this plant thing. And uh, you do a good job of it. You destroy the plant thing, but in doing so, um, also rolled a couple ones. So I capitalized on that. And this like plume of spores, pollen and spores comes up and hits the ship and the ship loses control. And then Bob fails a couple rolls. And I'm like, oh, this ship is going to crash. Like mm-hmm. Ox is a, like Ox is about to crash. You have one more check. Otherwise, this thing is like, otherwise, if I win this roll, Ox is taking that in stress damage and she had already taken stress a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you guys pulled out like you, the last minute you pulled it out and landed it, but like now the ship's kind of jacked up. It needs work. And a couple of you guys were um, riding some stress, all of that. Like it was, it was fun. Um, and it was like, it was just, it was a good solid session. Uh, everything about that ox game is kind of firing on all cylinders. So I'm like super happy with it. Like it's really, um, it's doing everything I want it to do considering that it was kind of half a joke when I pitched the game. Like I didn't even have a game. I was just like, Oh, super genius is flying around the, you know, in space, solving, solving problems and disasters. And you guys were like, yeah, let's run that. And I was like, what? Well, like that, that struck a chord because we've been going through, especially the one group, we were playing games that were not as light and with the the impact of uh, uh, the pandemic and everything else that's been going on, as things in the world have been bringing us down quite a bit. And like we were like, we need something lighter. And you're like, we should just play a game with super geniuses flying around the universe, helping people out. And we all yep. went, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we should. Then, then we did. Yeah. <laughs> like... And then it turned out like they were like, you know, I wound up, um, you know, wound up brainstorming a whole bunch of backstories. So like it, that game's firing. And I think I, I don't want, I'm not going to promise this because I don't like to promise things like before we do them. But um, I am very inclined when we finish the Ox campaign to um, to look at Cortex licensing and see if we can't make a um, a write up for Ox, like the the mods involved, the setting um, you know, a, a sample. I, I think the best sample adventure we could do is um, the fire cane at, at, uh, at Kirsum, right? Like the fire cane's a great fire um, cane. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great adventure, right? We could write it up, kind of thing. 
So I, I don't want to promise to do it, but I, I'm I'm interested in the idea of it. Um, when we get to the when we get to the end, what I will not do is I will not turn our I will not turn our game for recreation mm-hmm. into a business thing. Yeah, like I will I will not do that. When the campaign's concluded, and this campaign will conclude, this is not a forever campaign. This is we are in the second act of this campaign. There will be a third act, and then this campaign will come to some conclusion. And at that point, I think I would I would entertain what it would be to write that up. Uh, in addition to Ox, my other things, um, I binged the first season of First Kill on Netflix. Oh, be still my queer trashy heart. Um, the the vampire, teenage vampire girl falls in love with teenage vampire hunter girl, both in high school. Um, it's, it's so terrible. Um, I don't think the show is bad. I don't think the show is good, right? Like, I think the show is entertaining. It is cheesy and it is, it is over the top dramatic in the way that Kindred was over the top dramatic, but I loved Kindred as well. So um, first kill was definitely enjoyable. If you want something that's queer and, you know, Juliet and Juliet, because they know Romeo in this, uh, in in this episode, Um, it was good. So, and was definitely set up to have another season. I hope that it generated enough, um, traffic that netflix will cut another season of it obi-wan i still got to catch up on one more episode i'm still one episode behind but oh man just the acting in this show i don't even want to talk about the plot because i don't want to give anything away but everybody who's cast in that show i just love like there are just no losers in that cast like no. they are man all of them excellent um and in that fourth episode the scene with um fifth sister and the detention thing oof mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, like she, Dude, bad you guy. Get to episode five. Yeah. yeah I, well, yeah. that's all I gotta I say. Yeah. Um, strange new worlds. Um, I have a new character I'm now in love with that I hope will, will return in some, at some point, Captain Angel has stolen my heart to quote Captain Angel. That's on you. That's yeah. on you. Um, I, I can't, I can't imagine that, that without spoiling it for everybody because of two of the reveals in that show, I, I can't believe that they don't already have that character written into it. Oh, I just, I hope so. I just, I'm all for, I'm I, all for Captain Angel. Oh, and too. honestly, the reveal at the end, I was like, I was like, good for you guys. Who I, who was going to be brave enough to pick up that live wire of a, you know, of a deep, yep. of a deep reference, but they did it. Like, well, I, I, I don't, I think the writers on Stranger Worlds, if they've got an idea that they think is good, are not afraid to touch anything. Yeah, it's excellent. I don't want to give any more away about it. It's, yeah. it, it's so good. Um, watching season three of four man of for all mankind. Also very good. Very good show. Um, the only thing that's killing me about the show is I can only watch one episode at a time now. Like when I watched seasons one and two, they were already done and I binged through them. Having to watch this thing one episode at a time is killing me. Like so, so good. Um, long live the queen send and I had another long live the queen game. It was fantastic. I had two great cortex games back to back because our long live the queen game, uh, ended in a very tense moment where Senda's character almost got captured by Scottish rebels as she was buying time for the, uh, queen of France to get on, um, on the jet to get out of, um, out of danger as the, um, as the castle in England had been overrun with Scottish rebels. Like it was a whole thing, but <laughs> it came down to literally, I was like, if you don't make this athletics role to get onto the jet, uh, you will be overcome by Scottish rebels and captured. 
Um, and she did. She she just made the roll and made it onto the plane with some stress and a little busted up. And uh, it was oh so good. Uh, lastly, just to tie things off, um, I made muffins this weekend. Um, Senda taught me how to make muffins via FaceTime with a recipe that um, she has uh, mastered. And uh, so I made them. You ate them. Uh, I they thought were they good. were quite delicious. I ate oh them as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> to, 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 to quote my wife, they were Moorish. You want yeah. more and more of it, man. I was like, you had some leftover that I'm like, there's not enough to go around for everybody a second time. Will you notice if we stole one more? Well, uh, that just encourages me that, you know, <laughs> on another game night, I will just make um, more muffins. Like, Senda has told me that this recipe is pretty resilient. Like, you can... Um, put all sorts of different things in them. She also has a um, cream cheese filling recipe that I could also work on to put do cream it, cheese filling. Do it. So um, expect at some future point, I will just be like, oh, there are muffins tonight, guys. And uh, I, I, you know, if, you know, if you're going to go, you did route. brownies this week, you did muffins. I'm excited about what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Cookies, cookies. After I, after another yeah. one or two of um, muffins, I'm going to start working on cookies. Senda's, Senda's been my, uh, my coach on, on this. And so, um, John, you should just come up here. If you bring John, the barbecue, I will bring the muffins. Like yeah. that's. If oh, you yeah. go it's, the cream it's... cheese filling route, I would really, I would kill for like a cinnamon or like a spice cake muffin with the cream cheese filling. There you go. We can so make that happen, my request. friend. Schmitty, Schmitty made these muffins once with apple and apple and cinnamon. Oh, oh yeah. I will. Yeah. I I will do the same. I do want I do want them warmed with whichever muffin you make. I want them warmed with butter though too, man. That was Bob's idea was excellent. <laughs> Oh, we can uh, we can just go put them. You know, we can put them in the foodie. And I'll oh, tell you what, Bob, come this fall, got two words for you. Yeah, pumpkin spice. <laughs> Damn right. We'll be making some pumpkin spice muffins, my friend. Who's got two thumbs in as basic as hell? This guy. <laughs> All right, that's me. That's the community corner. Bob, hit the Patreon shoutouts, and then we'll, uh, yeah. we'll blast into the after show. You know what time it is? It's time for the Royal Court. Yeah. Woo. The Royal Court. All right. We've got Andrew Dacey, the Warden of Whiskies. Andy Olson, the Duke of Dice. Bread, the Royal Mead Maker. Craig, the Lord of One Name. Chromatic Chameleon, the Queen's Spy Mistress. Eric Bontz, the Duke of Gators and the Lord of Beefness. GM us. Gerrymander, the Lord of the After Show. Jesse Edmund, the Royal Doctor. Jim Likes Games, the Royal Merchant Emeritus. Evil John Carney, the Court Necromancer. Kevin Lovecraft, the Royal Beard. Richard Wyatt, Captain of the Royal Airship Fleet. Schmitty, the Keeper of the Labyrinth. Tiberius Starcrash Smith, the Baron of Britannia. Todd Crapper, the Prophet of Probability. And Richard Ruane, the Knight of Roseville Beach. Thank mm-hmm. you to everyone for listening, and we will be back next week. Make sure to check out our podcast each week, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember to take a listen to some of the other shows in the Mr. Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bone, Stone, and Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Pandas Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, John Koo Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and the excellent back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the all-new GM Mastermind. Yeah. I almost indeed, said, indeed. I almost said Zhenghu cast when I said <laughs> Gnome cast. That would have been, that would be interesting. Uh, Before you flash back, leave us some feedback. 
Uh, you can reach us directly, the old-fashioned emails, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on the Twitters. The show in the network is at misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Everson. He's GM Gerrymander. I'm DNA Phil. <clears throat> if you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Django Hustle is at patreon.com slash Django Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Mark production. The media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. We out.